got if you've got um, Exodus 12 open in front of you, um, that will be helpful. Unless you're one of those people who's got this passage memorized, um, I'm sure we've all carefully memorized the Passover restrictions and consecration of the firstborn. It's one of those standout moments in the Bible. Um, let me let me pray for us um, as we start. Um, Lord God, we thank you that um, everything that we read in the Bible is uh, breathed out from you. Lord God, we thank you that you use all of it to tell us truths about who you are, to help us understand the world we live in better. Uh, And Father God, I just pray for us this afternoon um, as we look at this passage together. I pray that we would um, hear you speak through your word, uh, and I pray that we would continue to be being encouraged and comforted and built up and challenged um, as we hear you speak uh, into our lives. Look, and I pray you'd give us the ability to uh, concentrate, and I pray you'd give us soft hearts that are um, keen to listen to you, not hard hearts um, like the hard heart of Pharaoh that was resistant uh, to you and to all that you intended. Amen. You've uh, you've you've caught me in a in a nostalgic kind of mood this week. Um, I I love a bit of nostalgia uh, at the best of times. But um, just just over a, a week ago, Sarah and I uh, celebrated our anniversary, um, and so 17 years ago uh, we were married, and we like to mark our anniversary. So the night uh, the it was actually the night before our anniversary because it just fit in better with our calendar. We're not that romantic that it has to be on the night. Um, but the, the night before we we went out for a, a meal together, and as I was walking down with Sarah to that meal, I I I, it, it, I cast my mind back. 17 years previously. What was I doing 17 years ago on this night? Uh, The answer was I was watching Whatever Happened to the Likely Lads, Um, the episode where Bob refuses to go out on a stag night the night before. I thought that was like a fitting way to spend spend the night. So uh, that that was the answer. I cast my mind back to that. And then as I was thinking about that, I started thinking about, well, how was I I feeling at that time? I, I, I remembered that kind of mixture of excitement and nerves, you know, just that kind of all, all together uh, as, as I got ready to get married uh, the next day. And then, and then my mind went on and I started thinking about the, the day itself. Uh, I started thinking about how uh, my mum was late um, and how Sarah was beautiful and how I was, well, well... <laughs> I, you were you were mainly late. <laughs> that was that was the memorable bit. Um, and then I thought a bit about me and, and tried not to think too much about that bit of the day. Uh, and so and so that's that started me off on what has been a, a week of nostalgia since. On on Tuesday night, um, we went out to see a, a play um, of Pride and Prejudice. Um, it was on at Durham Cathedral. Uh, and as I was uh, going out uh, over to see this, uh, it, I cast my mind back to five years previously where, when I had also been going to a play of Pride and Prejudice. And five years previously, Sarah and I had been desperately, frantically trying to get all the kids down and get ready so that we could go out for, to go and watch Pride and Prejudice. And at this moment, Sarah decides she's going to tell me that she's pregnant, um, uh, uh, which was wonderful, but not entirely expected news. Um, I, I, and and so I cast my mind back to that and I remembered kind of hearing that Lewis was going to be born and then uh, remembering Lewis being born and thinking about all that he's brought to our family. 
Then on uh, on Friday night, I had a few guys round. We watched The Big Lebowski. I just wanted to throw that in so you don't think I only watch Pride and Prejudice. I also watch Certificate 18 movies. I just want to have both of those in there, just so you can see what a well-rounded individual I am. Um, uh, uh, and and as I was watching that, that that always, whenever I watch that, reminds me of uni because one of my housemates who was uh, famous for um, not being the sharpest tool in the uh, in the toolbox um, got uh, got the nickname Donny uh, as a result of the Big Lebowski. And so whenever I watch that film, I always think of him, uh, and I'm just like uh, I just remember kind of time spent with him. It is funny how um, how many events can act as a prompt for us to remember certain things. It can be little things, can't it? You know, just a look someone gives you and it just reminds you of that time when they gave you that look before. That, that song comes on the radio and it reminds you of a, a night that you had or a specific person or, or whatever it was. A phrase someone says, an activity you're doing. These can all bring back memories of things that have happened in the past and suddenly you're transported back there and you're remembering what, what was going on there. Now, now we're back this week looking at this story that we've been looking at for the past uh, couple of months. And this is a story that has been remembered for thousands of years by millions of people. Uh, that, that's what this is. It's one of the most remembered events in all of history. But what should strike you as you read through what we just read through this week, and also if you were here last week, what we read through last week, is that didn't happen by accident. This wasn't remembered just because people were like, oh, we should probably remember that. No, it, it this story has been so well remembered because clear instructions were given. This is a, something that you must remember and these are the things you're going to do to help you remember it. You see, that's why this story has been remembered for thousands of years. It's why it's still remembered by so many people. It's because there were instructions given. This is something you have to remember and these are the ways you, you will remember it. You'll have noticed as you read through it, interspersed with kind of the detail of what's actually happening, you have all these bits. So we had it last week, right in the middle, in chapter 12, verse 14 to 20. You take like a, a complete, you move away from the story of what's going on, and suddenly you get, oh, and this is what you're going to do to remember it. The writer of this seems as concerned about telling the readers how to remember these events as he is about telling them what actually happened. There's probably more words devoted to how you remember what happened than there are to actually telling you what happened. Remembering this lies at the heart of what is going on in this section. And it actually reads kind of strangely, because as you read it, they're telling you to remember things that haven't yet actually happened. So they're like, oh, and by the way, this is how you'll remember this thing. But that thing hasn't happened yet. So they tell you how to remember that you left Egypt without, uh, with bread that well, hadn't yet uh, risen because you left in such a hurry. They haven't yet left Egypt in such a hurry yet. They're telling them how to remember it before the events even happen. That's how focused this section is on how do you remember this? Now, the obvious question that you have to answer if you think about that is why? Why is it that God was so concerned that the people remembered this event? Well, surely it's because God knows how good we are at forgetting. The Israelites are going to prove that throughout their history. 
I'm just going to give you a, a quick summary of how, how good the Israelites are going to be at forgetting this event. So in just a few weeks, they're going to be, things are going to be going a bit badly. They're going to be out in the desert, not having the greatest time. And they're going to they're gonna start looking back on their time in Egypt with rose-tinted glasses. Now, it's quite hard to look at you, back at your time as a slave with a kind of warm, fuzzy feeling inside. But they manage it. They start saying things like, oh, it was so much better back in Egypt where we had cucumbers to eat. Now, they seem to have forgotten at this point that A, cucumbers are not delicious. And also... <laughs> They've also forgotten that in Egypt there were slaves with no freedom, that they were beaten and that their children were killed. <laughs> they've just forgotten. They're, they're, they're looking back at Egypt and they're going, oh man, it was so much better there, wasn't it? Like, no, it wasn't. But they forget. In just a few weeks after that, they're going to be melting down the gold that they've just taken from the Egyptians and they're going to be turning it into a calf and they're going to be saying, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. This God that we just made. They're going to have forgotten again that actually it was God who fought against Pharaoh for them. Shortly after that, they're going to be faced with the terrifying prospect of occupying the land that God's given to them. And they're going to go into that land. They're going to see people who look too big and too scary for them. And they're going to forget that God has already defeated a superpower much more powerful than them And they're going to run away scared because they forget. They don't remember. They don't remember what God did here. They don't remember who God is and what he's already achieved for them and what he's promised he's going to achieve for them. And here, in each of those things that I've just described there, you're going to see the problem with forgetting. This is the problem with forgetting. When we forget, we make bad decisions. That's the problem with it. Because when we forget what life was like before God rescued us, we are tempted to go back to that way of life. It's what they did. Oh, I wish we could go back to Egypt, back to our time as slaves. We're tempted to grumble against the things God calls us to do and to reject, the, reject those things. And isn't that true of us? I mean, just isn't that true of you? I mean, only you can answer this. I was just reflecting on this um, a couple of weeks ago with, with some friends. I was saying how many people I know who lived miserable lives before they came to know Jesus. They were dissatisfied, discontent, unhappy, angry people. And then they came to know Jesus and they found forgiveness and life and peace and meaning from that. And then at some point, they inexplicably gave up on that and went back to being miserable again, living their angry, bitter lives that they were living beforehand. I can think of numerous people where that seems to be what's happened. And you look at it and you think, why? You weren't happy before. Look at how much better your life was when you were new Jesus and were living for him, and yet you went back to it. Why? Because they forgot. They forgot what that life was like. They forgot, actually, how, what a difference Jesus had made in their life. It's so easy to do. We forget what life was like before God rescued us, before God stepped into our life and changed it. And we create this imaginary view of what life would be like without God. Oh, I'd be free and I could eat all those cucumbers and I could have a lovely time. You see, we forget what life was like. We forget what God's done. And so we go back to it. We go back to a life without God. 
The Israelites were constantly being tempted to do that. We're constantly tempted to do the same thing. When, not only that, but when we forget what God has done, we also worship the wrong things. I mean, that's what they did. They worshiped the calf because they forgot what God had done. But, but we do the same thing. We forget that God is the one who rescued us. And suddenly we look at money and we think, money's powerful. And money showers us with blessings. Money gives me security. It was money that saved me from that difficult situation that I got into a few weeks ago. I was able to buy my way out of it or pay, pay away the difficulty. And so we begin to worship that thing. Or, or maybe it's not money. We look to a person and we think that person is so capable and so caring and they're so good. And they're the one who helps me out when things get difficult. And we begin to worship them instead of God. When we forget what God is like and what God's done, we inevitably worship the wrong things. And what we worship are imitations of him that look a bit like him and do some of the same stuff that he does. We, look at, we, we worship those things that rescue us in a lesser way that bless us in a lesser way, that give us lesser security. And we do that when we forget that God is the one who rescued us. God is the one who gives us blessings. God is the one who ultimately gives us security. That's the problem. When we forget what God has done, when we don't remember, we worship the wrong things. When we forget the victories God has already won, we despair when we're faced with hardships and evil in our lives. Just like the Israelites did when they were faced with the Canaanites they forgot what God had already done in Egypt and so they despaired when things looked hard we do the same we're quick to give up quick to despair quick to stop fighting or, or resisting we become lazy with our sin thinking it's impossible for us to resist we become depressed about the state of our marriage thinking it can never change we become fearful of illness or death thinking it too strong for us we forget so easily and when we forget we make bad decisions. We worship the wrong things and we live the wrong kind of lives. It's only in remembering that we become equipped to know God, to enjoy him, to pursue him, to be involved in what he's doing, to live the kind of lives that he calls us to live. You see, that's why God is so concerned that the Israelites remember what happened here. That's why he spends so much time saying, this is how you're going to remember it. So God tells them that they need to remember, but knowing how easy we find it to forget, he then says, and these are the things that you're going to do that are going to help you remember this. I mean, just you'll, you'll have caught some of them as we read through it. They're going to have a one-week-long festival every year where they're going to eat unleavened bread. And they're going to do that to remind themselves that when they escaped from Egypt, they didn't have time to let their bread rise. They just left. So they're going to have this one week long festival every year. They're also going to do something else. During, during their year, every, every firstborn that is, uh, that is born into their household, whether it's a son or an animal, when that happens, they're going to perform a sacrifice. And that sacrifice is going to remind them that God's judgment on the Egyptians came and it's going to remind them of the sacrifice which spared their sons 
all those years ago. And if you think about what it would have looked like to grow up in, in that family, in an Israelite family at that time. So each year you've had a one week long festival that would have reminded you of that. And, and then you've had these events scattered throughout the year when children were born or when firstborn animals were born. And as they were happening, people would have been watching, or maybe you'd have just, every time you were doing it, you'd have just been asking yourself, you'd be going, wait a minute, why am I doing this? You'd have been forced every time to say, why, why, am I, why, why is this bread so flat? You'd have had your little kids coming to you going, why are we eating bread, flat bread again for a week? And they'd have been like, well, let me tell you. It's because when we left Egypt, we left in a hurry when God rescued us. Every time there was a sacrifice, they'd have gone, wait a minute, why are, you, why are you sacrificing an animal at the moment? And he said, well, it's because when we left Egypt, God judged the, Israel, the Egyptians' firstborns, but he spared ours because we sacrificed to go to Olam. And so you'd have had these constant opportunities to tell yourself, to remind yourself, but also to tell those people around you, your children and anyone else watching in, this is why we do those things and this is what we remember. Throughout the year, you'd have had these constant points to remind you, to help you cast your mind back. And, and this, is, this is what I think is interesting, is the specific things that God wants them to remember in those. Look at verse 14 and 15 of um, chapter 13, the last bits that we read, um, 14 and 15 of um, chapter 13. Because God actually says, this is what I want you specifically to remember. This is what I want you to tell them. In those days when your son asks, what does this mean? This is what you to say to him. With a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I'm just going to pause there for a minute. We'll get to 15 in a minute. But, but do you notice that? This is, this is what God wanted them to remember. With a mighty hand, God delivered us from slavery. That's what God wanted them to remember. What were they supposed to remember? Well, that God used his limitless power to rescue them. What were they to tell their children when they asked? What were they to tell anyone who asked? That God used his limitless power to rescue them from slavery. This is so important. If you're a Christian here this afternoon, if you're somebody who, who knows Jesus, who, who has experienced the rescue that he brings, that is what you need to remember here today and tomorrow and the day after for the rest of your life. You need to remember that God used his limitless power to rescue you. There may be many things in the Christian life that you don't understand. There may be many things as you look through the Bible that you read and next time you come to read them, you're like, have I ever read that before? You just forget. There may be, you may have endless, countless things that you forget. But this this you need to remember. And the good news is not only do you need to remember, this is something achievable. You could remember this. I'm not asking you to remember like a chapter of the Bible, which you could also achieve, but you know, I'm not asking you to do anything that difficult. All I'm asking you to do is to remember God used his limitless power to rescue you. When you're feeling defeated like you just fail over and over and over again you need to remember that God used his limitless power to rescue you when you feel alone and unloved you need to remember 
that God used his limitless power to rescue you. When you feel like giving up, like following God is too hard, you need to remember that God used his limitless power to rescue you. When you have sinned and you feel weighed down by guilt, you need to remember that God used his limitless power to rescue you. That was what they were to tell themselves and everyone around them. With a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. That's what they were to remember. That was the important bit of this. Uh, but there was a second thing as well. Look at me in verse 15. Uh, that he goes on. So they need to remember, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Let, let's go on. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrificed to the Lord the first male and offspring of every womb and redeemed each of my firstborn sons. Here's the second thing that they were to remember. That God killed the firstborn sons of the Egyptians, but he spared theirs because something else died in, this, in their place. That's what they're getting at. There's a whole load of the stuff of this passage. It's all about redeeming firstborns. Now, the word redeem just means to, to buy back. So the death of the lamb bought back their firstborn so that the firstborns didn't die. That's what that meant. And again, the reason they had to remember this was because it's so important. They had to remember that they were not spared because they were perfect. They were not spared because they did not deserve God's judgment. But rather, they were spared because something else died in their place. That's why they were spared. And as they remembered this year on year, they were being prepared for the moment when God himself would come and die in their place. They were being prepared for the moment when God's firstborn son would die and his death would truly redeem them. Again, if you're a Christian here this afternoon, here's the second thing that I want you to remember. It's that something else died to take the judgment that was due on you. Let me, tell, let me tell you why this isn't so important. When you are tempted to feel that you are too bad for God, you need to remember that you are spared, not because of what you did, but because Jesus died to redeem you. When you are tempted to feel proud, like you've done so well and you deserve God's fa favour, you need to remember that you are forgiven, not because you are so good, but because Jesus died to redeem you. When you're tempted to judge others, to, to look at other people and feel superior to them. You need to remember that ultimately the only thing which makes any of us able to um, avoid God's judgment is that Jesus died to redeem us. It, it's remembering that truth, that Jesus died so we don't. It's remembering that truth that frees us from two of humanity's greatest enemies, despair and pride. It's remembering that that allows us to live lives of confident humility. Something human beings find really difficult, to live confidently humble lives. It's only, the, it's only at the cross, when you recognise that something else died for you, that you can be both confident, because you know it's not reliant on what you've done, but also humble, because you know you didn't do anything to do it. And just, just as an aside, for those of you who are, who are parents... These are two truths you need to be telling your children as well. If there's two truths that you need to be telling your children, it's that with a mighty hand, 
God rescued you. And it's that you were spared, not because of how great you are, but because Jesus died for you. We spend our lives as parents working out how do we, how do we bring our children up well. Like, what do we need to tell them to make them well-balanced, uh, healthy members of society? And we're constantly thinking like, oh, well, did I say the right thing? Did I get that right? Have I shattered their confidence? Have I built them up too much? Have I made them proud? Have I crushed them? And you're constantly trying to balance these things up. We're constantly trying to work out how can we help them to live secure, humble, meaningful lives? Well, start by telling them again and again these two truths. God used his limitless power to rescue you. And you were spared, not because of how great you are, but because Jesus died for you. Tell them that again and again and again. So, he gives us these things to remember. But he knows that we're liable to forget. And so God gives us a whole host of things to remember them by. And the, the way that we remember them is, is slightly different to the way that they remember them. I'm not sure many of you have sacrificed a firstborn lamb to redeem your donkey recently. Like, I might be wrong, but like, that's probably not like something you've done this week. But he does give us things to help us remember he gives us rituals like the Israelites. They had the Passover. We have Easter. Where they had sacrifices, we have communion. We don't sacrifice things ourselves because we're told that we don't need to anymore. No, instead, we come together and we remember the moment when God himself was sacrificed for us. God gives us rituals to help us remember, just like he gave the Israelites rituals to help them remember this. He gives us his words. That's why he calls on us to meditate on his word daily, because he knows that if we don't, we're liable to forget. We don't remember who he is. We don't remember what he's done. He gives us his people around us. That's why we come together each Sunday and during the week at Life Group Gatherings. That's why we meet up outside these meetings. That's why we message each other outside of this. Because in doing this, we remind each other of these things. I just want to make this as clear as I can. This is why, as a church, we want you to prioritize time in the Bible and time with God's people. It's not because we it's not because we think it earns you brownie points with God. It's not because we want to build a massive church and we just want to look around and go, isn't it great there's so many people in this room? We want you to prioritize time in the Bible and time with God's people. Because if you don't, you are liable to forget. You will not remember what God has done for you, what a difference it's made. And when we forget. We make bad decisions. We pursue the wrong things. We worship the wrong things. I, I want to be honest, I know that that is true for me. I just, I know how easy I find it to forget who God is. I know that if I don't spend time regularly in God's word, I forget. I know that when, I, when I'm away from God's people for a period of time, that I, I just lose sight of it. I start pursuing the wrong things. I start valuing the wrong things. I start worshipping the wrong things. This is one of the reasons why I find summer quite difficult. I often find summer quite difficult just because you're away on holiday and other people are away and all the routines are like messed up. And it's so easy for me just not to get in his word and not to get with his people. And I just forget. 
I, I can't last more than a few days and I've just lost sight of it. It's no longer, I've forgotten what he's done. It's no longer as important to me as it once was. We're going to wrap it up here. There's, there's another thing God gives us to help us remember. And, and that song. He gives us songs. See, as we sing songs, we remember central truths about what God has done and what that means for us. And we're going to sing a couple of songs uh, now as we finish. We're going to sing one song, then we're going to go into a time of communion, then we're going to sing another song. And these are two songs that what they do is they remind us. They remind us of what Jesus did at the cross and of what that means for us. And in doing that, we remember. We remember that God with a mighty hand rescued us and that he spared us not because of what we did, but because of what Jesus did at the cross.